0: Prepare your ears, humans. Happy, Sad, Confused begins now. Today on Happy, Sad, Confused, Graham McTavish from The Hobbit and Outlander to House of the Dragon. Hey guys, welcome to another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Yes, we've got Mr. Graham McTavish on the show today, a first time guest, though someone I've done a whole lot with. Thrilled to finally, though, have him on the official podcast. Uh, more on The Great Graham McTavish in a second. First, let's talk about other things going on, other stuff I've seen, other stuff I've been up to, bring you up to speed. We were dark last week, I apologize. Post-Comic-Con, guys, I just got like, I don't know, it was a weird time. I was I was certainly exhausted and overwhelmed by everything that had happened. And then the booking gods didn't uh, shine uh, well on me. We didn't have uh, a guest for last week, but I'm through apologizing because I'm about to unfurl so many podcast guests, so many cool bookings that you're going to be saying, enough, Josh. Just give me a break. Um, there'll be some weeks maybe with some multiple guests. I have just booked somebody I am so damn excited for, and I know you guys hate it when I tease and I'm not going to reveal anything I'm because ju- I don't want to jinx it. It hasn't happened yet. But I've booked somebody that's never done the podcast that I can't think of someone, frankly, bigger that I have sought in in the acting realm. I'll leave it at that. It's going to be great. Um, More on that in two or three weeks. Um, What else? Oh, I want to give a little plug to a a great new doc that doesn't need my help, but uh, because it's like dominating the charts right now. On Netflix it's a train wreck. Woodstock 99 I think it was three parts I watched it all in one night uh, a really I guess I was gonna say an easy watch not that, that it's like all fun because it's pretty gets pretty dark at times but it is a chronicle of course of the Woodstock festival in 1999 that uh, you know if you think the fire festival invented festivals that went awry think differently because Woodstock 99 uh, certainly had some issues, to say the least. Uh, a friend of mine, a, a former colleague of mine, um, was an integral part of this documentary. He's, I think he's the first person, you've seen the documentary, David Blaustein, uh, a great guy who's always been really kind to me uh, for years, did a a ton on ABC Radio, a great entertainment journalist, Um, and back in the day in 99, it was like, I think one of his first, if not first gigs, was being at Woodstock, and he's all over the stock, so it was really exciting to see him in it. Check it out for him, Uh, he's always great, but also check it out because this is a fascinating chronicle of what went wrong in Woodstock 99. It's also fascinating for me because, so much of it involves mtv which of course i didn't join mtv for till a few years later but it's it's fascinating to see the kind of like that last guard of mtv folks that uh, preceded me uh in the middle of that mad story so that's my recommendation of the week um other things to mention there's no i have no new live events to to announce except to say uh we're close on a few so stay tuned To my Twitter and Instagram, Joshua Horowitz, go to the Patreon page, patreon.com slash happy say confused, because we are definitely going to have some live events to announce very soon in New York City. I'll be moderating something at New York Comic Con, but even sooner than that, I have a feeling I'll be doing something at the 92Y. I have another event at Symphony Space in October um, that will be announced very soon. So a lot cooking good time. I've been moderating a bunch. I was. I did a uh, an event with Ron Howard, the director of Thirteen Lives, uh, which is a film you should check out on Amazon Prime right now. It chronicles the crazy Thai cave um, disaster that, I mean, thankfully had a mostly happy ending. Uh, but this is a dramatic retelling that stars Viggo Mortensen and Colin Farrell, uh, Joel Edgerton. But anyway, uh, I did a, a Q&A with Ron at uh, a Guild event in New York City, and it was just lovely to see him. He is, as advertised, the nicest guy in the biz. So that was fun. I feel like I did another event recently. I don't know. Been busy. Um, But, yeah. Also, we have a Comedy Central bit coming very soon uh, that we taped with Mark Wahlberg and Kevin Hart. So stay tuned for that. Okay, let's talk about the big event today, which is Graham McTavish, who has, as I said, shockingly never done the podcast, though we've, of course, talked a bunch. We've done... I've done events with him and Sam Hewin. Uh That's the first of many times you'll hear Sam's name invoked today. Uh, but I, I think I actually first met him through Preacher at Comic-Con, but then, of course, got to know him through his Outlander Association and his Sam Association, and now... Um, I, I get it. He's great. He's great. Not only is he a great actor, but he's just like a, a really intelligent, good-natured, uh, easy guy to talk to, and um, and I had a blast catching up with him. Uh, this was actually a live virtual conversation we had, so we're experimenting with new things on the Patreon page, and I'm very excited about it. We did a live um a live conversation, me and Sammy, my trusty uh, producer friend, uh, a couple days ago, with just you, the fans, on Patreon. And then we went right into this. We did a live version of this podcast where a whole bunch of the Patreon members came in, asked their questions, and just enjoyed it in that live atmosphere. It's a really cool interface uh, using something called Crowdcast. Super easy for me and for the fans. Um, and yeah, so if you go to patreon.com slash happy, say, confused, and if you're at the exclusive shows level or up, you get access, you'll get, you'll have access to, um, certain live events. Certainly the live events with me and me and Sammy, talking to you guys, and on occasion I will try to book a, a guest live. Um, we'll see. We're experimenting with different models, but, um, just a new way to, you know, Give some bang for your buck on the Patreon page. Again, patreon.com slash happy, sad, confused. uh, Doing a lot of fun stuff there. One more thing to plug. I've launched, finally, in recent weeks, my own YouTube page. It's youtube.com slash joshhorowitz. I'll put it in the show notes. Give it a subscribe because we're putting all the old... Um, video versions of the podcast, all the old video versions of Game Night, so after you get those exclusively for a while on the Patreon, they eventually go on YouTube. So there's a very large body of work that is accumulating on the YouTube page very quickly, and it's a really fun deep dive for me, frankly, to look at like my old work, but also hopefully for you guys to see some um, some video conversations maybe you've never seen in full if you're not on the Patreon. So, really happy and excited about what we're doing on the YouTube page. Again, youtube.com slash Josh Horowitz. Um, Check it out. That's totally free. So, you know, it's a no-brainer. All right, let's get to the main event. What you're gonna hear, and it's it's gonna sound maybe a little different only because this was done live, but Uh, The next thing you're gonna hear is me launching in with Graham live for this podcast conversation And there might be some visual things that are lost in the translation on the podcast But as always very little. I think you're gonna enjoy it I know you're gonna enjoy it and I should say Graham was on primarily beyond just entertaining me and the audience to promote uh, his new series House of the Dragon which uh, is the Game of Thrones prequel series. I mean, it doesn't get any more high profile than that. I don't think this one has any chance of not succeeding, <laughs> given what I've seen of it. I've su- seen the first episode. It has an amazing ensemble. Matt Smith, who we love, of course, Patti um, uh Reese Ifens, the list goes on and on. And it's Game of Thrones, guys. And it feels like Game of Thrones, but different um, it's epic, it's, yeah, it's gonna satisfy. Uh, it debuts, I believe it's August 21st on HBO, check it out. And in the meanwhile, enjoy my chat with the great Graham Ladies and gentlemen of the podcast world, if you're yes. listening to us, if you're watching us, if you're live with us, we love you all the more. It is I, Josh Horowitz. But more importantly, it is my guest, Mr. Graham McTavish. Graham, welcome to the uh, podcast, sir.
1: Josh, always a pleasure to podcast with you. If that is indeed a, a thing. It's a verb it sounds now. Like a yes, yes. It sounds like a sort of strange sport that's only played <laughs> in the
0: north of Finland or something. But, yeah. It's the one sport I'm decent at, actually.
1: <laughs> well, that's one more than me.
0: So um. I, I do not believe you. I've seen the workouts. Um, it's good to see you, my friend. Thank you for you taking too. the time to do this. Um, I'm, I'm so thrilled that we have this live audience watching along with yep. us. If you're live, we, we love you all the more. If you're watching this in 12 years, we still love you after the apocalypse. Wow, we cool. hope you're enjoying this as a nice, you know, The end of the
1: world moment
0: when you're looking at this. <laughs> like, let's look at that podcast again. Exactly. Yeah, One more time. Yeah. So mm. let, me, let, let me tell the audience, first of all, um, we're going to have a great chat today, Graham and I, as we always do. We're going to talk about a great many things, including his amazing new series, House of the Dragon, which is going to have, I think, a sizable number of you very much interested. I've seen the first episode.
1: People might watch it,
0: yes. I have a sneaky suspicion. Um, We're also going to take some questions from you guys. So... Here's how this is going to work. Some of you are very smart already. You've seen the ask a question button at the bottom of your screen. Click on that ask a question button, write in your question, and if you are so bold, if you feel like it and you want to be potentially on camera, if we select your question, just write that in the question. Say, cool to be on camera, yes on camera, just so I know. I don't want to put anybody on the spot, certainly.
1: No, no, we will not put you on the spot.
0: No, no. So um, we'll get to your questions in a bit, but first let's catch up, Graham. You and I. Um, yes. I feel like you are you're a pretty busy man in, in mm. showbiz, which is a good problem to have for any working actor. Um, yes. You yes. just you were just telling me are we are we allowed to say what you're wor- working on yes. right now? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you're yep. you're working on The Witcher right now.
1: I am. I am working on The Witcher. Yes. Uh, which has been great. Great fun. Really enjoyable actually.
0: Are you are you generally the kind that likes to be have work back to back to back? Do you need some downtime? Well, you... the thing
1: is, Josh, what the thing I've learned over my immensely long career as Sam would love to remind you of um, how, how old I am. But I've been doing this for nearly 40 years now. <clears throat> and, it do, and it honestly doesn't matter whether you're busy or not busy. Um, you, you always have this terrible fear, this terrible fear. I mean i think it was paul newman actually who said that he always imagined that somebody was going to come up to him and tap him on the shoulder and say oh, i'm tired i'm terribly sorry there's been a mistake you're terrible right you're awful and every actor i know believes that that there's always a little tiny bit of you that is going you're a complete fraud you're a complete fraud they're eventually going to see through it and um and i think it comes with the territory of of pretending constantly to be someone else when you're right. working, uh, that, that that's going to just come unstuck in some way.
0: But well I, not to mention I, all the yeah. years that every actor suffers of rejection, even the best actors are oh. denied for years. So like that's ingrained into you too, no matter oh, how long. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yes. And I mean, and that's, you know, in, in all seriousness, that's one of the reasons I think that, that Sam and I, um, wanted to do something like Men in Kilts, for instance, and write the books, because you actually, and in his case, you know, the whiskey and, and all the rest of it, uh, that it takes, you have more control over your life. Uh, and certainly when we were doing Men in Kilts, one of the things that we loved about it was that we were literally calling the shots. We were, especially in the first season, we were the guys on the ground going, right, let's let's shoot this. And then we would just start talking to whoever we were with But it felt very liberating, whereas in your regular life as an actor. Almost no control. You're waiting for them to go, it's okay, we'll let let you do it for today.
0: (laughs) For six minutes you can work. Yeah, Yeah, that struck me actually about the, because I didn't realize when you guys first did Men in Kilts, like just how Mm. run and gun it was at first, like creating, you basically were creating like a presentation tape to sell to what eventually became stars and you just did it essentially on your own. Yes, we did. I mean, um, it went from, I
1: mean, I think a lot of people may know this, but it went from him, me me having an idea years and years ago, 30 years ago, about doing DVDs about clans, and then him ringing me saying, hey, you you know, that thing that you were talking about doing a documentary, would you want to do that? Yes. Uh, Let's do it as a podcast. No. Let's do it with GoPros on our faces. No. (laughs) And then he got, um, it's incredible. I, I would actually
0: love... To have tried that, just to see what it looked like, <laughs> just a GoPro on his forehead. Right, you can't cover new. the moneymaker, though, Graham. For either of you, you can't block any part of your face. What are you thinking?
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he, he um, and then, and then Sam said, look, "Look, let's just crew it up and get get some of the guys we know from Outlander." Right. And, and we literally became this weird little dysfunctional group on the road, uh, charging from one place to another. Um, we had this wonderful. Um, producer on it, Michelle Medfin, who, who helped us enormously with right. just the logistics of it. And um, yeah, we were, Run and Gun is exactly right. We were, you know, got into the van. He was still hungover. I had no idea. I was very hungover. He was, he was technically still drunk, I think. Maybe. I'm not sure. I mean, he's it always at
0: like, a base level. There's always like a slight whiskey content in the blood that right, can't be erased. Right. Yeah,
1: if you absolutely hadn't thought of that. Yeah, there's always just a kind of underkind of booze <laughs> that just follows him around. And yeah. uh, but then we drove straight
0: to a whiskey tasting. And <laughs> there, perfect. Happens. It's going to catch up with him one of these days. I hope at least. Oh, it will, yes. But it strikes me, uh, on a serious note, like, on the acting side, because, I mean, like, we've talked a bunch in recent years, and I've looked at sort Mm. of, like, your body of work, and you have been working virtually your entire life, but, like, it's fair to say, correct me if I'm wrong, that the last ten years have been by far the most prosperous, at least in film and TV. You've been doing theater forever, etc., but like, what do you make of that? Has it does that give you a different perspective when you're a jobbing actor for decades, and then all of a sudden, mm. Preacher, Hobbit, Outlander, how, uh, game, game, the Game of Thrones spinoff? Like, this is the this is yeah. the stuff people are aspiring to the, all their lives, and it all kind of has happened to you now. Yeah, yeah. No,
1: I, I'm I'm certainly aware of it, and I'm uh, very appreciative of it, and all of that stuff. I I, I mean, I think what having a, a a career you know when i when I did the hobbit i was uh i was just about to turn fifty so i got i got the hobbit when i was forty nine right. and um you know i'd obviously been working for the best part of thirty years up till that point and uh and you know and i i i'd worked you know i'd actually always made a living as an actor but it, it's it's a precarious world um but i i so having that context for anything that I'm doing now, you're a. I mean, like particularly when I did The Hobbit, um, because that was that was such a great opportunity. Um, when I was on set, you know, a lot of people who will remain, remain nameless complained about the costume, the right. uncomfortable, the prosthetic, the days, the the hours, the 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 fighting, the tiredness, and all the rest of it. And and I i never complained because i knew how lucky i was to be standing there doing that because i i knew you know i'd had 30 years of dreaming of doing something like that and and for it to be a reality uh it was the same when i did rambo with stallone you know when i'm standing there on set looking at a man who i grew up with as rambo you know, I I, <laughs> right. I, I I had this complete out of body experience on that job where he was talking to me in a take and I was delivering my lines. But at the same time, I was aware that there was like a ticker tape saying you're talking to Rambo. Yep. And and it was it was like that that Schwarzenegger film, The Last Action Hero, where where the kid steps into the movie. And whatever yeah, it was. It, it was that kind of feeling. And so I'm very appreciative of um, what I'm doing and. Uh, it it makes you um it makes you more kind of energetic for for stuff uh so i'm and and sam i know actually in a weird way from my i'm maybe speaking out of turn you know he would maybe say something different but i know for him that the outlander was obviously a, a fantastic opportunity he'd be the first person to admit it and you know it's not like he had some gigantic film and television career prior to that. So he was he also is aware of the business. And um, and I think both he and I, and going back to many kilts, want to make hay while the sun shines. Really, you know, it's it's uh, we want to keep doing interesting stuff. Well, I certainly do. And I know he does. Uh, And, um, you know, keep keep ahead of them until they catch up with you and go, no, no, back
0: in the box for you. It's not going to happen, thankfully. But the... Well, look, I've said it before. I'll say it again. All the best of them have imposter syndrome. Every, every actor worth his salt thinks they're oh, yeah. going to have the rug pulled out on them. And I don't trust the ones, frankly, that think they have it made. No. no That's no, the one to worry no, about.
1: No. no. Well, you have to... I think the the one thing that you have to have... uh Well, maybe more than one thing. where well, many things. But one of them is, is a sort of edge and a hunger. Right. And a, a sort of that kind of... Um, engine inside you that yep. is propelling you forwards the the moment where you just sort of go well it's all done i'm yep. you know, I'm, I'm finished it's all great uh, i think that's when the wheels will eventually come off uh
0: but uh, either that or drug rehabilitation all oh, right <laughs> that's years away years years, years. Let's talk. Can you can you can you give us a little taste of uh, so Men in Kilt season two? You, you shot you shot a different locale, not in Scotland, but a familiar land for you at least. New for Sam. New Zealand. New Zealand. Yeah. That's that's right. So um, I don't think we have a release date yet, but I'm hoping yeah. relatively soon we'll get some well, news. I,
1: I, no, well, they they, keep, they, they they always keep these things very yeah. close to their chest. I mean, I have no idea when The Witch was going to come out. We didn't know when House of the Dragon was going to come out until. And that's only because I know the showrunner. Right. I think I found out in like May, something like that, April. Right. Um, and the same with The Witcher, and with Men and Kills, the same. So I don't know. I I, I would I would be guessing that it would come out uh, before the next season of Outlander.
0: That would make sense. Yes. One drafting off the other. Who's, yeah, exactly. So, what, so who, is there more aggravation on one side or the other this time? What can we look forward to in just, in terms and of just. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we don't no. like to see you happy. We want to see you drive each other you insane won't. on the brink of yeah. madness. Yeah. Yes. Yes. At the edge of the abyss. Exactly. <laughs>
1: just that one little, one step yep, away. Staring into the abyss. <laughs> and the abyss happens to be called Sam Hewen. And,
0: yeah. Uh, those beautiful <laughs> eyes. Yeah yeah yeah
1: he um he just insisted on making me more scared that was, he lives for it I think he lives be-
0: honestly, Graham and i and I feel privileged to say this. I feel like he lives to torment you and I. I mean, you are closer with him than I, but like mm. I feel like I'm in that nice little like there's something fucked up in him. There's something wrong with him. He likes to to make his friends feel I mean, pain I'm,
1: I'm- I'm not giving anything away particularly but we do talk at one point during men are Killed. so i say you know with the whole competitiveness yeah you know I, I said to him i mean you have you always been like this and sort of this ridiculous excessive competitive side to him right i said have you always been like that and he said no 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 not at all no. i said so you're you're not like this with other people he said no no it's really only you it's just <laughs> you and i quote i just want I, I don't only want to beat you, I want to smash you. Is that the word of a kind person?
0: It's, it's, yeah. it's an unwell man. It's an unwell it man.
1: A, it yeah. was an epiphany for me.
0: I realized
1: that I was in a camper van with a lunatic. And he was driving and uh, yeah, my life was literally in his hands. Uh, and yeah,
0: I'm, I'm petrified because when last I saw him, I surprised him in London. Oh, I don't know if you saw this, but I su- so at the Outlander premiere, we oh, engineered no. this whole thing where uh, he, I, we, we told him I, I couldn't make it. And then I surprised him in a hotel room with a camera crew and we had it all on tape and made him, you know, we saw it all. It, it was beautiful. It was a beautiful Damn. thing. I'll share the video with you. What and been he, superb. And he has um. promised vengeance and everything you say, John, I'm so I'm I'm really petrified. I know somewhere right now he's scheming. Oh, he, he won't let that go. No, oh,
1: no. No,
0: no, no. I mean, it was the same with. Well, essentially, one of one of the
1: great motivators for making the the second season of Men and Kills was that he still hated me for losing, uh, golf and rugby. I mean, well, you know the list. It's huge. <laughs> Where do we begin? Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. I mean,
1: you know, he lost. Right. Spectacular. <laughs> Constantly, sure. and then he naked yep. into the North Atlantic, and uh, I think that that has just haunted him really. And um, right uh i i've always imagined that while he was on set filming outlander he'd just be in the corner like writing lists of things yeah. that he wants to do to torment me and he's he worked through quite a few of them in this second season for oh, sure okay.
0: something for us to look forward to at least you're still <laughs> yeah. here you're still alive you're okay yeah. yes. um yeah. I want to let's let's talk a little bit about the the new series which there's obviously yeah. a ton of curiosity about House of the Dragon this is a prequel series to the Game of Thrones a little show that had a bit of a following um I got a chance to see the first episode I don't think I can say much but I think people will not be disappointed it certainly feels Game of Thronesy but also introduces this amazing yeah. amazing ensemble of actors, I mean, Patty Considine, yep. um, uh Reese Eifens, uh, uh, I, I, Olivia Cook's not even in the first episode. There's a great, great ensemble here. I know. Um, talk to me a little bit about. Look, I mean, is the when you sign on to something like this, like, is the job different when you're in a fa- quote unquote fantasy world? Is like the job to like ground it in a way because I think that's what Game of Thrones did very well, and I think mm. this show does too, which is like, yeah, they're dragons. But it has a palpable, I don't know, yeah. it's really about family and betrayal and all of
1: that. Yeah, it's a very good point. And I think it's uh, it's a danger that that genre could fall into, that it all just becomes terribly kind of, we are in a fantasy world right. and everybody talks like this. Right. It, it's, it, they are people who are experiencing their lives um, Literally fictional lives, but they just happen to be surrounded by extraordinary things. Um, I mean, you know, if you set it during the Second World War, you would be surrounded by extraordinary things as well, just the sure. different kind of stuff. But yeah, you do have to you do have to ground it. I mean, to some extent, when you're um, when you're walking uh, into the throne room on House of the Dragon, and there's the Iron Throne at the end of a a, a stage that. It was the entire soundstage was that set. So it was enormous. And uh, I had to enter um, with Millie, who plays Rhaenyra, young Rhaenyra. Right. And uh, we, um, we both just thought, oh my God, you, you barely need to act. I mean, you're you're in this incredible costume, which is somewhat heavy, not too heavy. You've got a giant sword. You're surrounded by enormous statues. There's the Iron Throne at the end. It's all lit with flames. I mean, you're like, yeah, it's fantastic. You just, and if, and if you can access that part of yourself, which I, I think actors love to do, which is really their childish side. Yes. Um, it's just a playground, really. And uh, and you you get well, you have a script, but you get to just um. Play around and be be and having fun with each other in that extraordinary setting. And it's true of all of those fantasy worlds. Same with The Witcher. Sure. Um, I think one thing I would say about fantasy, possibly more than anything else, and I would include Outlander in this, actually, because there is a big, big kind of fantasy element in Outlander, um, is that um, you have a lot of laughs, a lot of laughs on set. It actually seems to encourage even more childish behavior. Is
0: than, that because of just like the costumes and the absurdity of some situations? Like, oh yeah, we're st- we're all starting at a dragon. This is insane. Come on.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, you know, like on House of the Dragon, I remember there was a scene where we encounter one of the dragons and it flies over our head. I and mean, it's not giving anything away. We're we're, we're there. Wait, wait, there are we're,
0: dragons in House of the Dragon, Graham. You're about to be fired. I know.
1: <laughs> there's more than one. <laughs>
0: um, and
1: there's, there's literally. Uh, it was a laser dot right, flying over our heads. And the director, who I'd actually worked with many, many years before, called Greg Yotanis, um, we did a TV series called Empire together. And he, he said, Okay, you know, the dragon's coming. And uh, it's, uh, so you, you need to, uh, you're scared. You need to react. And you okay. So it's really big. Okay. It's huge. Yes. And it's, it's flying right over. Okay, so on action, there was a varying degree as to how people reacted. Some people really went for it, right? But there's always, especially if you're in a group, you don't want to you don't want to be the one that completely embarrasses themselves. You all have like to be at the same level, yeah. Around, yeah. You're weeping, uh, <laughs> you know, the sight of the dragon. So i I remember my first take. It was more of a head bob. It was oh. more of a kind of like, oh. There's a dragon. Oh, there it is. You know, oh, it's going over there. Some people were like, Oh ah, God!" <laughs> throwing themselves to the ground. And I thought, too much. That's going too far. Right. And so there were all different levels of reaction. And Greg, and I thought I'd done a fantastic job. And Greg came up and said, um, Graham, you, you really need to react. And I went, well, I was reacting, Greg. He said, no, no, this is terrifying. This is a dragon. And you're seeing it flying over your head and i go yeah well you know yeah
0: but i, I just don't feel i would be that scared no, it's not not his first dragon you've seen others no, I, exactly i'm C- lord commander of the king's guard i've yes. seen many dragons yeah
1: but he insisted that i was I, I reacted more severely to the sight of the dragon and but that's that's the kind of thing that you have a huge laugh right. doing that stuff uh your recent world fans world. particularly was it was very he won't mind me saying this it was very difficult getting through a scene with this (laughs) he was constantly trying to make you laugh deliberately mangling the lines calling people by absurd names even more absurd than their actual names in the show right anything to make you laugh so uh and we did
0: well, let's practice reacting to a dragon. I want to. I want to <laughs> see if I can do it. Okay. So, so what? What level? Give me one to ten. What level of reaction should we have as we watch this dragon pass over us right now? You,
1: yeah, you yeah. Or both
0: of us. Yeah. We're both of us. We're both going to see the same dragon pass okay. through our screens. Okay. So I think, think. Okay. We're not complete cowards.
1: Okay. Uh, but That's a stretch also, for me, but I'll try well, it. Okay.
0: No, no, no. Well, this is, <laughs>
1: you know, this is in the context of the. Moment. Okay. Okay. Like, obviously, it. in real life, you're. a, you're yeah, a yeah. Complete coward. Yeah. But but you know we're not complete cowards, but we're also not stupid.
0: Okay. So again, a stretch, but okay,
1: I'll try it. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm identifying the very two things that you are actually what <laughs> <adult. laughs> I'm known for: cowardice and, and stupidity. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. A, a, a frightened buffoon. Uh, so I'm. Just-
0: You're sounding more and more like your friend all every day. you' yes. This is reminding so me. Yeah.
1: I'm going. I'm going for a steady five. Okay. Okay. So. Um, I'll cue us
0: in. Okay, which direction so, am I looking? And,
1: uh, it's going to be coming from my right. So yes, we're both looking in the same direction. Okay. 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 Uh, I'll take the glasses off just in case it gets too violent. Okay. So the dragon is coming. Um, three, two, one. <gasps> oh, Josh! What'd I do? I was just. I just caught it out of the corner of my eye. That was. That was. What?
0: what Hopefully. Was that? Hopefully, folks are just listening to this, and they, it was no, wasted on them. <laughs>
1: I don't they need to know he is
0: terrible. <sighs> this is why I still have not gotten my Outlander cameo. I've been campaigning for years. It's just I, I, at this point, I'm set, I'm going to settle for men in kilts. I'm, re, reality is where it's at.
1: No, seriously, I would love to see that. I think what you need to be. Yeah. Let me think. <clears throat> if you were doing Outlander, yeah. I think you need to be the sort of the the village drunken idiot um the, the the camera you I mean you can be seated for it so you don't need to do any walking oh thanks yeah good so just like give you give you like a big mug of ale or something like that a big slouchy hat a bit of a plaid and then people are walking past you and then they look down the camera catches you on the left and you just say I don't know morning Jimmy if you can, boarding, make... Jimmy. Okay, you look like you're having a stroke.
0: <laughs> I had the right mug for it and everything. You had the right mug. Although, I guess, in an, to be fair, in an Outlander scene, you wouldn't have a mug that says Outlander on it. That would be a little odd.
1: The, the, the... <laughs> <laughs> might take people out of the mug. would be actually brilliant if, if we had that. Yes, that we had branded, like Sam was drinking from a bottle of Sassenach whiskey. Exactly. During a scene. I wouldn't know. put it
0: past him. It's going to happen at some point.
1: Well, he did it in every scene in Men in Kills. Right. I can believe it. <laughs> every single time we stopped, he goes, Sure, Ch- um, any chance we could get this? And I said,
0: mate. Shameless. Not
1: an extended commercial for your whiskey brand.
0: Anyway, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's all it is for him now. It's one big whiskey yeah. ad. Uh, I'm going to look at some uh, questions from our audience. Let's see. Okay. Yes. Um, Sandra wants to know. Will you be playing any part in the Outlander prequel? Any chance of a young version of your character? It's the parents, well, as you know.
1: I mean, you know, uh, it's obviously I look so young as it is. <laughs> yeah, no makeup required, yep. No makeup required. I, mm-hmm. I don't know, would it be a teenage doodle? I mean, I, I mean, it would be a stretch for me to play myself <laughs> as a teenager, but uh, I'm always
0: willing to try. Okay. Fair enough, the old college try Uh, Linda wants to know, what is the project that you've been working on in Montana? I've been curious about that too, you spent so much of your summer in Montana, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, it was a great movie Um, It's called Somewhere in Montana And it is a modern day, uh, it's a ranch western kind of film I play the rancher, a guy called John Alexander And uh, he... uh, Without going into the whole thing, what I loved about it is that it's, it's a film about um, tolerance and listening to others, really. That there, that there are two groups of people represented in the film that are very different to each other in terms of how they view the world, etc., etc., etc. And while neither of those groups particularly ends up thinking, oh, you're right, I'm wrong, because they get to know each other. They respect each other, and and I think one of the reasons I was so keen to do it is that it it, it it's it contains within it a really really important timely lesson or not a lesson just a comment really on that sure. on the world which is it's okay to not agree with everybody and for people not to agree with you as long as you treat each other respectfully and uh, that's 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 something that I worry about in the world that we're living in at the moment. And this film really, really, really addresses it in a in a very clever way. Yeah, um, not not in a not in a kind of schmaltzy way. It's 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 there. You know, you're like nobody's shying away from anything. It's, it's really good. So I was I had a wonderful experience and I loved Montana. I, I just fell in love with the place. I thought it was gorgeous.
0: Well, I mean, you're, you're spot on. I mean, obviously, we've seen, we talked about sci-fi and fantasy. Genre always is just a prism by which we can look at the world. And yeah. Western is nothing if not one of our great genres. So it makes total Absolutely. sense. One of the great um,
1: American genres,
0: yeah. All right, I'm going to invite Karen on screen. Karen, you have a question. I hope you're prepared. Let's see if this works. Here we go. I'm oh, boy. Let's see if this is my first attempt. Wish oh, me luck. Okay. Wish Karen luck. Karen. rather you than me. Yeah,
1: we I Would never get to see Karen if I was doing this. Karen,
0: are you there? If you don't pop up, I'll just ask ask your question for you, Karen. Don't worry. Oh, she oh, is. Oh, happening. oh. hi, <laughs> hi,
1: Hello. Karen. Welcome. Hi, thank you for having me.
0: <laughs> of course. Yeah. What's your question for Graham?
1: Um, my question was, if you're going to be writing a memoir like Sam Hewen did,
0: am I going to be?
1: Yes. Um. Well, it's it's definitely crossed my mind. Um. I think, you know, what, what I'm interested in, if I was to do that, is not so much a kind of chronology of experience, but really just a, um, an examination, I suppose, of, of what it is to do the kind of thing that I've done in, as, a, as an actor. It's a very strange world and a very, um, you know, there, there's I, I think there are. Uh, perceptions about the acting business that are not correct, and um, you know, I think that there's a there's a sort of there's a glamour attached to it and all the rest of it. And th- there are glamorous things attached to it. That's true, but there's also all sorts of other stuff. I'm yeah. actually reading at the moment David Niven's autobiography.
0: Oh, that's a famous one. I feel like yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I
1: mean, yeah. for decades, and I finally got round to reading it, and and that's a great, great memoir because. He's so, he's honest, he's just honest. And I think that's the key, to be honest with yourself, and in doing so, providing something to other people to read that is truthful. Um, and I think that's true of, of, uh, of any creative endeavor, to be honest, acting. You know, you, you do it, I think the best way of describing it is, if I was to do it, I would be doing it for myself. And in doing that, hopefully other people might be interested.
0: So. Was that, like, if I was talking to you when you first started acting, and presumably that was in theater, I would guess, back in the in the early days, like, what was the ambition? What was the dream back then? I mean, was it... Uh, I mean, yeah. was there an actor on the pedestal? Was there a career to aspire to? I mean, what were you thinking? Um, was it a life in the theater? What were you thinking?
1: Oh, well, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It's interesting, because uh, I think really... If I'm honest, um, when I started, uh, I mean, the first job I, I did actually was uh, I was an extra on a TV show called The Master of Ballantrae, which is a very famous Scottish novel by Robert Lewis Stevenson. And um, Michael York and Timothy Dalton were the leads. And I had like a day, two days on it or something. Oh, I was so excited. I absolutely loved it. I loved, I loved the costumes. I mean, and actually, ironically, it's set in the same period as Outland, so oh, wow. weirdly enough, yeah, it's kind of odd. I hadn't actually thought about that until that moment. But that was in 1983 or something, and and I was so excited. My father actually took a photo of me. He froze the video, and there was a, me and Michael York on screen together for like a nanosecond, and he took a picture. And I, oh. I still have a picture. But I I was um I loved I loved film. TV, and I was a huge Clint Eastwood fan. Huge, you know. He was my idol, really. And I used to stand in front of the mirror and try and try and make myself look like him. I would furrow my brow. I would do (laughs) that. And you know, when I was twelve, and uh, it was pathetic. But I, I, so really, if I'm honest, in answer to your question, very long and way of saying it my ambition always lay more in film and television than in theatre i love don't get me wrong i love theatre and i've loved doing theatre and i've been really lucky in the the, the the work that i've been able to do especially in scotland i got to be in all sorts of shows that i wouldn't have been able to be in and i i just loved working i loved the process i loved the collaboration yeah. that's what i Really enjoyed. I was never particularly motivated by um, all those sort of slightly more venal things like you know fame and money and you know glory awards or anything like that. I, I, I just, I mean, everybody fantasizes about getting sure. get an Oscar, but you know, I, to, to be honest with you, I I, I don't anymore. Um, I don't I don't think about that stuff. It, I just want to do interesting uh, work, and that's what's always. Always motivated me, and it just so happens that for the last 16 years, which is the last time I was on stage, it's all been on uh, film and television. But um, it's been, you know, it's it's great. You know, you get to. I've been a Roman, I've been a Highlander, I've been a dwarf, I've been, you know, and those are the things to go back to that whole childhood thing. Yeah, that, that's what you all dream of when you're children: being a cowboy. You know. Uh, and so all of those moments um, were very meaningful to me uh, as as sort of fulfillment of dreams, I suppose. Yeah. And that's, I think, as long as you stay a dreamer as an actor, I think you won't go far wrong.
0: Do you have a... I've been asking folks on the podcast the last couple of years uh, about comfort movies. Just off the top of your head, is there Um. a movie that you would deem a comfort movie for you? It could be an Eastwood movie or anything that you've returned to that you find Mm. centers you, calms you, brings you back to childhood, whatever comfort means to you, something that jumps out.
1: Yeah. Well, there's a few uh, for different reasons, I suppose. Um, The Princess Bride is a, I I love The Princess Bride. Um, I, 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 if I met, Carrie Elwes, um, or Mandy Patinkin, or and actually I did meet. Um, oh my God, I'm going to forget her name now.
0: Well, Robin um, Wright, Penn?
1: Yes, Robin. Robin ben, Wright. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I met her when, um, and this is a very strange moment actually. I was doing The Finest Hours, and her then partner Ben Foster was in The Finest Hours. Yes. And we were in, a, we were all in a house in Chatham, in Massachusetts, and I was in the bedroom upstairs. Everyone was downstairs chatting, and I just wanted to be alone. And I was reading Carrie Alice's,
0: um memoir. Yeah, the Princess Bride Robin. memoir, yeah, yeah, yeah. Princess yeah. Bride. Yeah, I, yeah.
1: I was reading that great book, reading away, you know, reading about Robin and blah, blah, blah. Shut the book, thought, oh, I'll go down and say hi. And there was Robin Wright sitting in the living room. And I was like, <laughs> and I was so, I, I couldn't tell her.
0: I couldn't. I couldn't <laughs> You're like, like hiding say, the book. You're like, never mind. Me
1: reading about you. <laughs> I couldn't but i just thought life is strange but so the princess bride definitely yeah. i've watched that many times mouse hunt have you seen Ma- mouse hunt
0: wait mouse hunt the gore Verbinski movie the uh the with nathan lane
1: yeah and uh
0: lee yeah lee, what's his name um oh, i know exactly I mean. Who you mean christopher walken That's i love
1: that film so
0: much random but amazing i love it grand- <laughs> i've watched it with <laughs> kids
1: i've watched it i probably watched that at least six times I, I it's such a lovely movie. Um, and for any of you who haven't watched it, do watch it. And I won't spoil anything about it. It's just a delight. Uh, so that and then completely the other way. Yeah. Zoo
0: uh, Oh, wait, Michael Caine. Is that uh... yeah, Michael
1: Caine's first yeah. film? Yes. Produ- written. Uh, sorry. Produced and starring uh, Stanley. Um, Baker. Stanley Baker, uh, written and directed by Sy Enfield, uh, all shot in South Africa with the the Zulu nation involved, the grandson of King Chetawayo, who was the person at Rourke's Drift. I mean, I'm huge into history and all of those. Yeah, and that's all incredible. Yep. It's an incredible episode in history, and uh, I love that film. I've watched that probably a dozen times and it doesn't matter the music. The performances, the technicolor, big screen, oh, it's
0: fantastic. I love it. Those are are great. Michael Caine has a a good memoir or two, as I I recall, as well. Um,
1: Indeed,
0: indeed. right, Kay has a question here. What will be your next mega franchise? They're greedy. They want more. We got Hobbit. (laughs) We got Outlander. We got Witcher, House of Dragon, Castlevania. What's the ultimate for you? Yeah, let's think. So, So, Graham... Yeah, exactly. We ha- we haven't done. I mean, in the voiceover world, you've covered some like Star Wars and Marvel, but like live action wise, you haven't. That's true. That's true. That's true. Uh, yes, that's true. My eldest daughter
1: is obsessed with the idea idea of me being in a Marvel project. Obsessed. She she. I mean, barely a week goes by where she's saying, you know, have you have you got into a Marvel project yet? I'm like no no i'm not no and I'm, I'm busy but you know one day you never know so yeah that would be that would be amazing uh i i obviously i grew up like everybody else with that world um you know and the whole spider-man franchise i mean i was a huge spider-man fan when i was a kid those kind of comics uh star wars as well yes i was a huge huge star wars fan um you know those those tv series spin-offs i think have been really really amazing so i'd uh you know, that kind of world, or indeed, this is what I think as well, a, a, a world or a story that hasn't been written yet. You know, there's out there somewhere, at this moment, there is somebody writing something that is just gonna blow everybody away. And it might not happen for five years or whatever, but it's gonna be amazing. And that's, that's the great thing about this industry. You know, there's, there's so many people, I have a really good friend actually, who um, I met him. He was a barista in uh, Santa Monica, and he, he used to serve me coffee. And we got talking a lot, and we became friends. And he is now writing for a Marvel movie. He was a that he was an Amazing. aspiring writer, and he is now writing it. And I love that. I love that. You know, there he is working hard and everything like that. And then his that that dream, that world, came true for him. And and so there are people as we speak. That are either about to write something or in the middle of writing something that is going to be truly incredible.
0: Amazing. Do you uh, do you still have to audition at this point, Graham? Does the body of work speak for itself? Are you will? Are you like? Is that? Are you like game or is it kind of like? Look at my 100, 123 IMDb credits.
1: No, I, I honestly, I mean, if they want me to um, do us, I mean, nowadays it seems to be just self tapes. That's what right. we do. I don't, right. you know, I haven't met a, another human. Um, for these sort of things, for a very long time. Yeah. Sometimes there are they are offers, uh, which is all obviously very very nice, um, and sometimes not. But I love. I've always loved, um, and it's it's a sort of arrogance, I suppose. But it's it's also what motivated me when I first went to America, was that I always wanted the opportunity, just the chance to show people what I could do. Yeah, that's all I wanted. Just put me in the room, let me try. If you don't like it, that's fine. But just let me try. And so, I've always carried that with me that if, if I'm given the chance, then well, then it becomes out of my hands. Right. But I, I've always wanted to have the chance. So I'm not fussy about, you know, if somebody says, well, we, we really want to see, we want to meet Graham or we want to sell him to self tape. I'm not going to go. Oh that. no no no! I don't do that. Uh, I uh, absolutely. I, I don't mind at all.
0: I'm curious because look, we've talked about like these these major kind of franchises with these built-in kind of audiences, and you've been in some of the biggest, literally, that exist. And yet like I've met you through Outlander, which is has a very sizable audience, but it's not the Hobbit audience, it's not the Lord of the Rings in terms of size. But it is, mm-hmm. I would argue, in terms of passion and in terms of just a a yes. a, a, a and I say it's the nicest way, an obsession. And I've I've experienced mm-hmm. that on the periphery. Do you, sure. do you feel that too? Like, do you feel a difference in the kind of fandom that Outlander has brought you as opposed to just the sheer mm. volume that something like Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit
1: brought sure. you? Yes, I would say yes. Uh, I don't think I've ever encountered um, a, a fan base that is as dedicated as the Outlander fan base. And it's great, you know? it's it's a It's a wonderful thing, I mean... You know, mostly, <clears throat> if people speak to me it, out in the street or whatever, uh, they talk about Outlander. Um, sometimes they'll really surprise you and talk you talk to you about something completely. Like I remember you in Stones, like Red Dwarf, and I'll go, "Oh yeah, I mean that was 24 <laughs> years ago." Uh, and so it, it varies, but Outlander fans are um, they are incredibly loyal and supportive. And that's, you know, um, I know Sam, myself, anybody, actually, Duncan, Katrina, anybody involved in it is really, really appreciative of that. Um, And don't don't take it lightly either, Um, because, you know, you you, you have to be um, you have to be creative yourself. You know, you have to have one half of your brain when you're doing, for instance, something like Outlander. When we were filming it, we had to make it our own. You know, I had to. Make Dougal the Dougal I wanted him to be and with collaboration with other people, uh, but at the same time you are aware that there is literally a group of millions of people who have a very strong idea who Dougal or Jamie or Claire is, and uh, you have to be mindful of that. <clears throat> so it's a it's a it's a it's a tricky line to walk, but um, I think that on the whole. The the way that it's been handled by the writers and the producers and the cast and everything and the fans together that we've all we've all moved forward together with the show, which is which is really uh, remarkable, actually.
0: It's been it's been fun, especially, like, look, at first it was basically Sam and Katrina that I got to know, and then, like, as the years have mm. gone on, they finally mm. let me meet their friends. I feel like they were just, like, trying to keep me from everybody, and now I, I appreciate what a great ensemble this is, and how you all are just, like, such a great, fun group what? and have just, like, senses of humor and the right attitude, and it's just, it's a joy to...
1: Well, that, that was the thing when we did it,
0: um,
1: when we first did it. You know, partly because it was essentially Katrina's first job. Right. Uh, it, was, it wasn't Sam's first job, but it was his first major, real big role. Yeah. Um, and we were all thrown in together. And, and that created immediately a very tight group. Um, so all those Highlanders, uh, Katrina, uh, Lotta, you know, um, Gary, all of these guys together, we, we, we really bonded and were working
0: with each other.
1: Uh, so there was no kind of hierarchy at all, which which always makes for a much better product.
0: Are you already? Look, we don't know when the next season of Men in Kilts is, but are you? Mm. Do you have the third location in mind? Do you think back to Scotland? Do you think another locale? Have you decided, or are you still deciding, or what? Um, if I you think, have the you know, opportunity to do obviously. a third
1: series, I mean, I, I think the logical place would be North America. Um, I would, I would really be keen. I know, and Sam, I know, is the same. I think we're both very keen on the idea of, of exploring the Canadian-American links uh, there. You know, it's just about navigating through through the country. I mean, I when I was in Montana, I met um, <clears throat> a Native American gentleman called um, Donald McDonald, and uh, he is descended from. The McDonald's of Glencoe, Um, there was a huge uh, settlement in that area of Montana, the direct descendants of McEhan of Glencoe, the, the famous massacre. They came over and settled in that part of Montana. And there are so many wonderful stories to tell of the interaction and the relationships between Native American tribes, and uh clansmen highlanders coming over in the 18th and 19th centuries I, I think that's a there's so much to talk about with that so uh, that would be where i would want to
0: visit. sold hey it's more convenient for me to crash it's perfect look i, I think the the bonus of this conversation today look the 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 reason to do it was to catch up with you, and I always love chatting with you. You're always so generous with your time and are good-natured and good-humored, uh, and I and I love it. But the bonus, honestly, is just infuriating Sam and how jealous he's going to be when he sees that we've been chatting oh, for an hour today. Oh so it's great,
1: isn't it? That's what gets so, me up in the morning.
0: It's a win-win. It's a total
1: win-win. I mean, I woke up this morning and I thought, today's the day that I managed to just rub
0: it in his face again. And <laughs> it's, I know it's petty. I know... I know. you got to play funny. on the level he's playing on. He's that, we yeah. he have to be that.
1: He brought us to this point. And um, so we're down there in the mud with him. And uh, yeah, yeah.
0: Look at great. this, Sam. This is a love affair right here, and you can't touch yeah. it.
1: Yeah. We're really happy without you, Sam. Ha, ha ha ha. I'm actually just waiting. And that's one of the reasons I've turned my phone off, because I know that he
0: would
1: be <laughs> like, just, you know. shut that. up. Nobody cares. <laughs>
0: You're so bold. You're old. He's probably watching us right now. Uh, Congratulations, sir. Thanks for taking the time out. Uh, Enjoy the rest of your run on The Witcher. I can't wait to see that. And I know the the audience is going to be thrilled with this one. House of the Dragon. It really lives up to the the pedigree.
1: I I, I don't want to tempt fate, but I truly believe that people will love this show. Yes. Has another one
0: of... I was going to say, I didn't even mention my, my beloved Matt Smith, whom I'm obsessed with. He's amazing in this oh, show. Oh, are you so.
1: also obsessed with Matt Smith? You're, you're obsessed with quite a lot of people.
0: <laughs> I have a problem, if you, you haven't you, figured it out. I mean,
1: just off camera, are there little, kind of little, like a shrine? Do I have anything now? I, prob- I probably have and, other yeah, incriminating things near me, near me but I'm not going to show you. Balls of Matt. And- <laughs> I'm just curious. No, Matt is also a very, very nice guy. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: very funny. And yeah. we had... Enormous laughs. His sword is called Dark Sister. Really? In the show, or just or yes, I haven't... in the show, oh. it's mentioned many times. It's called Dark Sister, <laughs> and every single time, and I am not ashamed to admit this, that every single time uh, sa- uh, he would appear with the sword, I would go, I would stand there and wait for him to pass, and I'd go, Well watch out! Here comes Dark Sister." <laughs> yes. And every time he would laugh, it's pathetic. I
0: know. It's pathetic. We're all just children. We're really just another, still children.
1: This is this is the atmosphere that we created on set. It was yeah. a childish, very very sad atmosphere. But
0: <laughs> thank you all for watching today. Uh, we'll see you on the next one. And my biggest thanks of all, of course, to the one and only Mr. Graham McTavish. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much, Josh. Always a pleasure. And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused.